I want to tell you something, and that is operating a food company has been one of the most challenging endeavors of my life. From innovating products that we want to land at the intersection of taste and nutrition, to wrestling with supply chain issues and managing inventory, I have had more sleepless nights in the past three years than I have in the last 30, including the 12 when I was a firefighter. But no one tells you that food is hard. But I also want to say it's because of each of you that we continue to get in the trenches day after day after day. It's in our core values to keep at it, knowing that we are filling a giant void in the market with products that you can't find anywhere else. And this makes it easier for us to climb out of bed each day. I want to thank you for your patience. We are anxiously awaiting the return of our organic pancake and waffle mixes. And we're excited to announce that our Plant Strong milks will be available online later this week, followed soon thereafter by the return of our exciting new burger mixes. Our goal is to be your reliable and trustworthy partner for all things Plant Strong, allowing you to stock up on healthy meals that you can make and enjoy in minutes while still managing your busy lives. I appreciate each and every one of you and want you to know that the effort will be worth it once more brands start to care about the integrity of the nutrition that they're putting into their products. Thank you so much for your support and please stay tuned for exciting updates at planstrong.com. Today I want to share an open letter that I've written to first responders across the globe. As we all know, today is September 11th, a day that none of us will forget. And as we wind down season two of the Plant Strong podcast, which is dedicated to those with the heart of a hero, it just makes sense to honor all of you emergency first responders who serve on the front lines whenever any of us call for help. And I'm sure that each and every one of us remembers exactly where we were on 9-11. I was at Fire Station 1, and we were doing a big station cleanup when we were all called to the kitchen. And on the kitchen TV we watched in absolute dismay and horror as the second airplane hit the South Tower uh, about 10, 15 minutes after the American Airlines flight hit the first tower. And then we huddled around that TV and watched in disbelief as over the course of the next hour and a half, Both the towers crumbled and fell to the ground, and little did we know that 343 firefighters were going to lose their lives, 72 police officers, and well over 2,500 civilians. And 
I can remember walking around for the next several weeks in a state of numbness and not in any way, shape, or form understanding exactly what had happened. But on this day, every year, we want to think of you, you first responders, and the sacrifice that you make for others. And lately, with what's going on right now in California with the wildland fires, um, it's a testament to how every day you guys and you gals are always put to the test. And you never know what's around the corner. Looking ahead for a second, um, next week, you're going to hear a very candid conversation that I had with three of New York City's bravest firefighters as, uh, as we close out the season. And you're going to learn from these everyday heroes who are stepping out of the, the current paleo and keto culture um, and making waves by doing something as simple and yet profound as deciding to put plants at the end of their fork instead of animal products and animal byproducts and the, and the kickback that they are getting at their firehouses. I also want to remind you all that the number one cause of in the line of duty deaths for firefighters is heart disease. It's not smoke inhalation, it's not fire, it's not accidents on the way to emergency scenes, it is heart attacks. And I want you to think about that for a second because in a job that faces risk and potential harm on every call, isn't it crazy that it's the effects of the standard American diet that are more dangerous to these everyday heroes than anything else? And I think that the, the irony is that as you guys and gals are answering the call to any of us who need to be rescued, ultimately, it's you that are in the midst right now of an internal fight against chronic Western disease that with many of you is starting to ravage you at a cellular and molecular level. And you are currently, you're living in a culture that is doing almost nothing to make the healthy choice the easy choice. In fact, I would argue it's just the opposite. They are doing everything in their power to call you out when you try and make the healthy choice, to ridicule you to berate you, to harass you. And because that's the case, you have to have some serious convictions that what you're doing is the right choice. It's the healthy choice. And as we all know, 
it checks every box when it comes to being healthy for yourself, healthy for the planet, and the smart ethical choice with the animals. But instead, you're trying to rise above and what your firefighting brothers and sisters are trying to do is they're trying to pull you back down into the pit of indulgent and unhealthy food. That's what they're trying to do. And when you're in the firefighter culture, the, the bond is so intense because you are going on these amazing, sometimes harrowing, horrific, exciting 911 calls. And so the bonds that, that happen between you are, are intense. And then on top of that, you're also living together, typically for 24 hours or 48 hours at a time, in the firehouse. So this truly is your second family. And eating almost becomes a rite of passage at the firehouse where you sit down together at the dinner table, at the breakfast table, at the lunch table. You break bread and you, you celebrate the calls you've made. You have therapy over the, the calls you've made. And... You try and figure it all out together as a family. But the irony is that after years of eating this way, this standard American diet starts to take its toll. And we all come out of the fire academy in the best shapes of our lives. And then slowly but surely, year after year, most firefighters' health starts to take a serious nosedive. And, you know, it's little wonder. You you live in this toxic food culture where the unhealthy choice is the easy choice, right? You're also being pressured to eat this way. Uh, it's almost this, let's see who can eat the most of this unhealthy food mentality. And so I would say each year in the fire department, on average, most firefighters gain between 5 to 10 pounds. And so you have these firefighters that were once at the top of their game when they came out of the fire academy who are now hypertensive, they have hypercholesterolemia, prediabetes, and all these things are starting to stack and add up. And I want you to know that it's like this in firehouses across the globe and even in Austin, Texas. And that's how we all got started, in fact, at Fire Station 2 in 2003. So let me just give you a little history of... of how that transpired and how that went down. So I joined the Austin Fire Department in 1997. Um, September of 1997, 
Before that, I had been a professional triathlete for 10 years, gallivanting all across the globe, swimming, biking, and running. And at some point, I decided it was time for me to get a real job. And that's when I uh, was fortunate enough to get on with the Austin Fire Department. I came out after six months of the fire academy. Four months was fire suppression school, and two months was getting our uh, EMT certifications. I came out to Fire Station 1, which is in the heart of downtown Austin. It is the um, it is the animal house of the fire uh, fire stations. There's two engines, a fire truck, and an EMS unit. So at any given point in time, there's 14 to 17 firefighters and EMS personnel. Um, I, I was also part of the water rescue team there, which was which was great. But after four and a half years of the tone going off incessantly between midnight and 7 a.m., it was time for a change. Uh, and so myself and Josh and JR and Scott, we actually all went over to Fire Station 2 on the C shift. And Station 2, it's, it's nestled right next to the University of Texas campus. It's a one, it's called a one horse station. There's just the one, uh, the one engine there. And it's a 1936 Tudor firehouse with the fire pole. And, uh, and the variety of calls that we made there was, was really fantastic. And one night we were sitting out on the porch and we had this little bet to see who was the, the healthiest of all of us. And we decided that whoever had the highest cholesterol was definitely out of the running. So we drove the unit down, we got tested, we all got, uh, got pricked, and JR had the highest cholesterol at 344 milligrams per deciliter. And as you all know, that is astronomically high. It puts him in a whole nother category when it comes to elevated cholesterol. And we came to find out that he had a horrendous family history of men in his family dying before the age of 51 from heart attacks. And so in an act of solidarity, JR, myself, Scotty, Josh, and Derek we all decided that we would start eating the way I would have been eating, plant strong. And we started with lunches, and then we moved from lunches to dinners, and then lunches and dinners to breakfast, and then lunches, dinners, breakfast, and then lunch again. And the reason I say that is because we work 24-hour shift. We come in at noon, and then we get off at noon the next day. So we're 24 on, 48 off, and so we started by making these healthy wraps. We called them the Almighty Healthy Engine 2 Wrap. And it was a whole grain wrap. And inside it, we put brown rice, black beans, bell peppers, uh, sauteed mushrooms. Um, and then on top of it, we would put a, either a green uh, salsa verde, a red salsa, or a red marinara sauce. And that was usually our go-to breakfast, uh, our go-to lunch every shift. And then <clears throat> for dinners, we started making uh, pizzas. We would roll our own um, whole grain crust. And then on top of that, we do um, either barbecue sauce or spinach hummus 
or a red marinara. And on top of that, we do sun-dried tomatoes and roasted corn and black beans, broccoli, spinach, onions, mushrooms. We do fajitas. And instead of doing beef fajitas, we would do butter squash uh, fajitas. We would do tempeh or tofu or portobello mushroom with all the fixins, onions, bell peppers, salsa, guacamole on corn tortillas. We would make our own burgers made from black beans and beets and brown rice on a whole grain bun with sautéed onions and and um, uh, caramelized um, mushrooms. Uh, and we would do our own ice cream made from, instead of bluebell ice cream, we would freeze mangoes and um, and blueberries and bananas, and we put them in a blender, and we make our own frozen sorbets. So um, it was delicious, and we absolutely adored it. And for breakfast, we would do whole grain pancakes, or we'd do steel-cut oatmeal, migas especiales made from tofu, and... We were loving it, and it became kind of a tradition for us to start eating this way. It filled us up, it made, it, it made us feel fantastic, and it was drop-dead cheap. And so when you're eating, and that's how you feel about it, there's nothing not to like about it. And so we didn't care what all the firehouses said, right? They ridiculed us, they made fun of us, they belittled us, and you know what we said? We said, bring it on. Do your worst. Go for it. Because you can't touch us. We love what we have, and you're not taking it away. And they didn't. And, uh, and in fact, these guys at the firehouse, they kind of morphed from medical time bombs to, to healthy superheroes. And so what happened is, there's this juxtaposition between what we were doing and kind of the status quo. Most firefighters, especially in Texas, that's the land of beef, are eating lots of beef. But because we were bucking the trend uh, and we did something as crazy as just like bear down on plants, we got a lot of media attention. And so the New York Times did a front, front page article um, on the uh, metro section. Uh, CBS Sunday Morning did a segment on a bunch of firefighters eating a bunch of plants. NPR did as well. And we, again, I just can't tell you how much we loved and adored being different and bucking the trend and going against the status quo. And JR decided to do this not only at the firehouse, but also at his house. And so 28 days later, JR went back to the lab and got tested, and his cholesterol dropped from 344 to 196. So it dropped almost 150 points in less than a month. And he dropped about 14 pounds, felt fantastic, was sleeping better than ever, had no more gastrointestinal distress. So all good things. And after all the media caught wind of this, um, I was solicited to write a book about the escapades that we were having at Fire Station and two. And so at some point I decided, you know what, I'm gonna write this book. I can do it. And I spent two years writing the book and I had all these pilot studies to show the efficacy 
of what happens when people eat this way. And the book came out in February of 2009. It immediately became a New York Times bestseller for several weeks. And when you get that kind of attention, certain organizations and groups don't don't like it. And that's what happened with the Texas Beef Council. They caught wind of what was going on with the Engine 2 diet, and they wrote a letter and sent, sent a representative to every firehouse in Austin, Texas, all 42 firehouses, and they presented every firehouse with a letter that said, in light of the Engine 2 diet book, we want to present you, America's heroes, with these gifts and know that nobody should be deprived of red meat. And so they gave every firehouse a fully cooked beef brisket, a how to cook beef cookbook, 100 different recipes, all these posters that had different uh, different cuts of beef on it, a I love beef apron, and all these barbecue, barbecuing tools and, uh, and lighters. And a couple days later, I got at least 50 phone calls from firefighters basically saying, hey, Rip, thanks for writing the book. We loved all the presents that we got from the, Ameri- from the Texas Beef Council write another book because we would love to get more presents. Well, I, um, I've since written three more books, but I actually retired from the fire department in 2009 after the success of the Engine 2 Diet and realizing that I could help a lot of people and save a lot more lives as a full-time crusader for the advancement of all things plant-based and something as simple as what we put at the end of our fork. And so I've written three more books. This is my full-time occupation now. And since I've left the station, I now have gotten literally hundreds upon hundreds of letters and emails from firefighters around the globe who are fighting back after pre-diabetes, after uh, a heart attack, and they're now turning to plants in an effort to get a second chance, a second chance at not losing their job, the most prized job on the planet, a second chance at having their health, their number one asset given back to them. And I've seen countless numbers of men and women who have dedicated their lives to saving others, but they've neglected the most important person in the room, and that's themselves, because they have either not been given this information, or they've been drawn into the allure and the false promises of the keto and paleo and the new kid on the block, the carnivore uh, diets. And all this ridiculousness, it has to stop. 
it's time that we take a hard look at the science. And when you look at the science, you'll realize the only program that's going to slow down, halt, and reverse heart disease is whole food plant-based. The only program that is going to slow down, stop, and in many cases reverse prostate cancer and breast cancer is whole food plant-based. The only program that has been shown to actually stop insulin resistance and reverse type 2 diabetes is whole food plant-based. Let's go with the science. Let's, let's not go with the bro science. And there's so much noise. There's so much distraction out there. And just know that it's all another fool's errand. And it's going to end in a dead end. And it's not going to be doing you or your health ultimately any favors. And it's, it is my mission at Plant Strong to educate and to empower people to take back their health, to get back in the driver's seat, and to be your own hero. We want everyone to experience the benefits of living plant strong and to learn you do not have to accept type 2 diabetes or high blood pressure or high cholesterol as your fate. Your genes don't mean jack squat. Each and every one of you can trump your genes with the power of plant strong nutrition. In fact, we now know that you can turn off cancer promoting genes and turn on cancer preventing genes in as little as three months with a whole food plant-based diet. You can turn it around and I want you to know it's never ever too late. And of course, I want this for absolutely everyone, but today, I especially want this for you, my firefighting brothers and sisters. So my call to action to all first responders is to be brave, to be bold, to take the plunge. Don't wait until you're pre-diabetic or have chest pains to see the light. Make the change by putting yourself first. It'll be worth it more than you ever dreamed possible. And this way, you'll be able to rescue so many more people in your life, especially when you're the best, strongest, and fittest version of you. And because today is September 11th, I want to share with you that late last year, I was in New York City visiting members of the New York City Fire Department, including Joe Inga, who, as you'll maybe recall, was the heart of season one of the Plant Strong podcast. And he insisted that there was no way in the world that he could ever complete a triathlon, that it was something that, you know, he dreamed about, but nothing that he thought he could do. And so that was our challenge to Joe, to become not only plant strong, but also to end 
the season by finishing a triathlon. And by goodness gracious, that's exactly what Joe did. And while I was in New York, Joe invited me to visit some other firefighters um, while I was there. And you're going to hear more of that conversation that I had with them at the New York City Fire Academy next week. Today, though, I want to share a special moment with you that I had with another firefighter. Uh, this is a Yonkers firefighter. He was featured on season one of the Plant Strong podcast. He's also a Plant Strong Ironman triathlete. His name is Kevin Duffy. And <clears throat> while I was there, he took me down to visit where the Twin Towers used to be and to see the 9-11 Memorial and the Freedom Tower. And it was much more powerful than I ever dreamed. The, the energy that was there, the, just the vibe that was there. And you know, I absolutely knew that it, it was going to be moving to see the memorial and to read the names of the close to 3,000 people that were etched in the memorial who lost their lives that day. And to hear the water flowing over the fountain but it was Kevin's personal 9-11 story that was <clears throat> by far the most moving because both Kevin's father and his brother worked in the towers. And unfortunately, his brother was in one of the towers that day. And fortunately, his father was delayed getting to work that day. But you're going to hear Kevin's story of that morning and while he also gives me a tour of the of the memorial and we're going to end with a few moments of the water running over the the fountain on a day that none of us will ever forget Is this the pool? So these are the pools. These are the footprints of where the previous building stood. I've never been here. No? No. Oh, it's pretty... No. It's pretty amazing. So when you say this is the footprint of where both of them, or is this just no, one this of them is right one. here? There's an identical pool uh, straight across that we, that we can go check out. Wow. So you'll see, actually, we're right, my brother's name is right here. Oh man, how often do you uh, you come down here? Uh, I usually come down about once a year if I'm in the area. And uh, you, you tell me again, your brother was in which which tower? He was in Tower Two, which is considered the South Tower. Mm -hmm. Tower One was the North Tower. He worked on uh, the company. He worked for his Keith Bruett and Woods. Is an investment bank firm, and they were on 88 and 89. So the second tower that was hit, uh, and they were hit, and that was hit below where he was. Yeah. But it was hit more in like the 50s and the 60s. There was the second tower hit, but it was the first one that fell. So the other one burned and stood longer. It was hit higher. Um, but yeah, I was the I was the last one to speak to him too, which is 
I got him on his stick. The cell phone coverage back then it got all jammed up. Everybody calling. Yep. And I call. I was in my dorm. I was in my townhouse in campus housing in college. And it was just like on redial, redial. I was the last one to get through to him. Did you actually? I spoke to him for about 30 seconds. Seriously? Yeah. About after after the plane hit. After the plane hit. So the first plane hit the other tower, and he sent an email saying something happened. That, you know, they said it was an explosion, or they didn't know what it was. Transformer, the building shook, and you know, people started kind of turning on the news. Yeah. I was in class, so I saw the email later, and then when the second one hit, everyone started making phone calls. And he didn't say where he was or what he was doing, but I was the only one that got through to him. And the building came down probably 10 minutes later. Can you remember what you guys talked about in those 30 seconds? Yeah, I was like, dude, what's up? What are you doing? And you could just kind of hear the panic in his voice and the commotion in the background. He's like, I'm fine. He's like, I don't know what's going on. He's like, but he's like, I'm good. He's like, I can't talk right now. I got to go. And just kind of hung up. Wow. So it was a quick 10-second yep. conversation. Yeah. Well, how... Uh -huh. how um, how fortunate you got to connect one last time and hear his voice. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> and how, how much older is he than you? He was four years older. He was 23 at the time. So he'd been out of college about a year and a half. Yeah. He just started working down uh, on Wall Street. He worked for my father, actually. My dad was on the West Side Highway on his way to work. Yeah. So missed the whole thing. And do you know how many how many names are, are there? There's... There's 20, close to, well, close to 3,000. I think it's yeah. 2,000, maybe 900 between the yeah. towers, the two point, the, the four planes, really, if you count Shanksville and the Pentagon and the people in the Pentagon. So they honor, yeah, they honor the plane and the Pentagon and everybody here, uh, like in, in encompassing everyone in this memorial. So. Yeah. It's cool to have you here though because you've inspired me in my life as a as an adult. So I appreciate you coming down and I'm, it's cool to get to sh show you this well, because you've been a big part of my life for the last four years and helping me, you know, find purpose and yeah. passion well, to live and well, be an athlete <laughs> because he was an athlete. He was, yeah. you know, my older brother kicked my ass and everything, taught me, you know. Toughen up, run, work out, lift. We used to kind of track what I was eating and how to be better. So was he was he, uh, was he tall and good looking like you? He was good looking, <laughs> yeah. but he didn't get as tall as me and my oldest brother Brian. Uh, so I'm six two. My brother's six two. Yeah. Chris was like five nine, five ten on a good day. Right, right. And he hated that that yeah. I sprouted up past yeah. him in high school. I bet. And he was so. He was the hardest working guy because he had the like the least gifted talents, yeah. but he made up for it in heart. Nice. So, well, I think he would have been on board with this whole movement yeah. too. Yeah, he definitely would have been a big part of uh, this lifestyle for sure and spreading the message and helping others. Well, thanks, thanks for bringing me down here. Thanks for sharing uh, sharing this with me. And um, you know we're we're all in this together. Yeah. You know. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Right back at you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>